Sorry to interrupt. People are still talking back there in the foyer. It's good. Talk, 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 talk. Uh, <laughs> I know. Thank you guys so much for being here. It's good to see you. And we get to start another topic. And oh boy, look out. Fun topic. <laughs> no, it is going to be, um, I don't want to say it's going to be a fun topic, but I tell you, I really love studying it. It's a, it's a killer topic. Uh, <laughs> It's going, to get, it's going to get interesting, but I do want to say it's, it's good. <laughs> um, um, just to let you guys know is that, you know, uh, um, I work with a lot of people. We're talking about, just to let you know what the topic is, death, dying, heaven, and hell. We'll be doing this from January 7th through March 25th. And um, so some of the topics are just kind of listed here in your notes. Um, today we're going to talk about things to know, just things to know about um, when, you, when you die. Um, five minutes after you die, what's it going to look like? Um, I have to say, it, what's it going to look like at, to a believer? Because in the Bible, there's not one person that, you know, went from, you didn't get to see the passing from one to another. There's not a lot of study on that. So for a believer, what takes place five minutes after you die? We're going to talk about the intermediate state. Um, is there one? How does it work? Is there a sleep? What's taking place in regards to intermediate state? And then we'll talk about uh, the body and death. Does a body have any importance at all when it comes to life or when it comes to death? Um, don't miss that one because it does. <laughs> what? I don't know. Well, you got to come and watch. Uh, we will bring it up. Big topics, um, um, regards to big questions. What's God's wrath? You know, what what is going on? What is taking place? And uh, in those things, and then we'll go. Um, I didn't put this at the end, but different views um, on heaven and hell. Um, I we'll tell you that there's two that's going to talk specifically, you know, even about hell. Um, I, I do not want anybody to leave depressed, angry, frustrated, discouraged, or, ah, it's going to be taking place, but we don't talk about it. And uh, I think that we just need to talk about, say, what is um, going on? And then the New Jerusalem, um, understanding heaven, part one, understanding heaven, um, part two. Now, I just um, have to confess, or not confess, but just kind of explain to you how I approach my topics um, when I read, you know, or look at the topic of death, heaven, hell, God's wrath, what, what I look at is I don't want to give you a whole bunch of logistics. Um, and what I mean by logistics is we'll probably stay away from the end times. Uh, what we're trying, what I do is I look at those topics, I'm like, what does it feel like? <laughs> what is taking place through this process? Um, I want to just open scripture. I mean, I hate to say it, this is a sick mind, and I, forgive me, I want to smell hell. I want to taste it. I want to understand exactly what Scripture says about the pieces of it while I'm here on earth. I want to completely I want to take a, I want to take a, take a tour. Um, and then in regards to heaven as well, I want to... So that's the way that we're going to be teaching, is in a sense of trying to figure out what has taken place, what is going on. We're all going to die in this room. What's going to happen? What am I going to see? Um, I will tell you that if you're a believer, this class will be... a an all right class. Um, if you're fighting God, this class will still be an all right class because what you're going to get is you're still going to get an array of grace, beauty, and strength from Jesus in the process of, of, of all that. And what I mean by still all right is we want you to receive Christ before you leave. <laughs> but uh, so we will be talking about that. I also do want to um, um, apologize before it takes place over any sort of insensitivity that you might uh, feel. It's not my um, goal or desire to, to um, 
to make people feel, uh, to be insensitive um, about anything. Um, because these are huge issues and huge topics. But if I um, did carry a monotone and sit there and talk about them without any humor whatsoever, um, then it's going to, you guys, it's going to be a long class. <laughs> it's going to be a long one, uh, even for me. Uh, so it's not my desire um, to um, bring sensitive issues and make light of them at all. And I'm not going to bring sensitive issues and make light of them at all. We will just open up the Bible and say, God, give me an answer because I want to know on this side of death, dying, heaven, and hell um, of what um, is taking place. So we will, we will be going through that. One last thing is I encourage you guys to come to all the classes. If you come to one on hell, um, you, you missed half of it. So, um, in fact, uh, when I'm trying to study, it's like, okay, I don't want to split it in, into two weeks, but it's too long. I have to. So um, I don't review a lot, and by you guys coming to both classes, I don't have to feel like I need to review. So um, I just encourage you to make sure that you do um, hit all of them. If you can't hit all of them, um, they are available um, on, on, uh, um, on the Internet through our website. Just go to miscellaneous sermons. All right, so let's get started. Death. How bad is it? Is it okay? Is it good? There's just some things that we just need to know, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today is some things that uh, we should probably just need to know in regards to uh, the subject of death. Number one, death is not natural. Now, you guys saw the song, and I will not play it again if you guys were at the last sermon, um, as a circle of life. The world, every person wants to say death is, is natural. It's, um, it's something that we don't have to have any fear of. It's something we can just completely um, relax. It's not natural, and because it's not natural, God speaks into it a lot when it comes to the Bible. And when he speaks into it for a believer, that it, what happens is that there's freedom. And he's trying to tell you, there's, there's freedom, there's freedom, there's freedom. But why is he telling us that? It's because it's so not natural. So if we're sitting here being concerned um, about death, it is a legitimate concern. I'm not going to come up here and say, oh, yeah, God, it's, it's no big deal. If you're a Christian, don't even worry about it. There's still a peace that goes, oh. Um, and that peace is the unnatural peace that we go through. Psalms 116.3, uh, the cords of death entangle me. The anguish of the grave come upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. This is David speaking, going, oh boy, something's coming at me that is not good. And as a result of something that's coming at me is not good, you can almost see a whole book, the Psalms, talking about, oh God, hang on to me. Oh God, walk with me. Oh God, have, give me peace. Oh God, give me strength through this life, knowing that death was always a threat to them. So if somebody says, oh, death is natural, it's no big deal, um, you will see that um, often in church, and you'll see it on the world as well. It's no big deal. It's not that big deal. Let's not talk about it, but, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Let's sing songs about it to make it less of a big deal, but just need to know that it's not natural, and the Bible knows that. Number two, death automatically judges your life. You ever said the words, I can't believe how much time flies? Why would you say those words? Because you're walking towards something. <laughs> when you're on your deathbed and you look back, um, you're going to say those words again. 
I had an individual say those words to me. I work with a lot of people that are in the process of dying because I'm a pastor. And uh, I had somebody say the words, Mike, you're young. Make the best and be good. Obey God because life is fast. When you say life is fast, what is death automatically doing? Death is bringing a judgment on you and you don't even know what you're talking about. We naturally make these statements, and these statements are saying, I'm walking towards something, and I want it to slow, I want it to slow down. You ever heard the words, my kids are getting old so fast? What are you doing? It's like, okay, how much have I invested? Should I invest more? What's taking place? I mean, what you're doing is you're naturally judging ourselves as we're walking towards death, and this is everybody. This is not just Christians. This is everybody, because we know that in death, Something happens, and it's all gone on this side because we leave what? We leave with nothing. We leave naked. Um, death automatically judged, Ecclesiastes 7.2, for the death is the destiny of every man. Gives us a statement, but then what does he say? The living should take this to heart. <laughs> we, should, we should be thinking about this is that death is going, just the process of death, is going to bring a judgment on a life, um, because it is a consequence, is going to bring a judgment on a life. Maybe we, as we're living, should take heart to that. Maybe we should think about that. Maybe it should be something that ponders in our mind. That is one of the reasons why we're doing this class. Number three, death for a believer is the end of all dying. Death would be the end of all dying. Just something to know, something basic to think about. Um, Spurgeon says, Brothers, we are not living, we are dying. We begin to breathe and we make the number of our breaths less after every one we take. Our pulse is beating funeral marches to the tomb. The sand runs down from the upper bulb of glass and it is emptying fast. Death is written upon every brow but relax, death is not the end of, death is the end of all dying after it takes place for a believer. So, person only dies, what? Once, according to Hebrews. Job fourteen fourteen. if a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait until my renewal comes. Job thirty twenty three. I know that you will bring me down to death, to the place appointed for all the living. I know that it's going to happen, but as I know it's going to happen, it's going to be the last of dying for me, and there will be no more. Now, that's not talking about spiritual death, and we'll go into that. I'm just talking about a believer, is that you only have to go through it, through it once. Number four, here's some encouragement to believers. Believers will never be alone when they die. That's something we always think about. Um, are we going to be um, alone? It's something that we have fear, and I will tell you that next week we're going to talk about the first five minutes after you die, what does it look like? Now, we can only get so deep <laughs> because Scripture only allows us to get so deep, but we'll ask the question, what does it look like? And the thing that you're going to see um, next week is that you're not going to be um, alone. Uh, you will not be alone. Being alone um, is a great, great fear on this side, and it is a great fear even on the other side, and in, um, we'll even talk about this in our sermon series. Since it is a great fear, it is always in our mind, and since it is always in our mind, 
God speaks heavily on this topic. God speaks heavily on the subject. Let's just look at some verses. Psalms 49, 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will what? He will receive me. Um, he'll redeem my soul. He will rescue me the second that death even takes place. And we'll see that next week as well. Proverbs 18. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's closer than a brother. Now, what's interesting about uh, a brother-brother relationship, it's not a father-son relationship. Um, it's not a father-daughter relationship. It's not a brother-to-brother relationship. What is it? It's not a husband-wife relationship. According to this one, stick closer to your brother. It's like we are the same blood. We walk together. We hold together. It's a complete relationship that says we lock arms as we go. Now, this is going to think about things on life. Do you want to lock arms with a friend when you die? And how well do you know that friend? I don't want to be alone when I die. I won't be alone. Christ will be with me. But it does make me think and contemplate, is he my brother or is he just a prayer that I said to make sure that I'm rescued when I die? Will I know him and will he know me as I go through this valley of the shadow of death? Um, These are some things to think about in regards to the life that we have here with Christ is going to be an excellent process in death as in a sense that brothers give each other high fives. I'm not saying that takes place. But brothers say, I know you and you know me. I've been praying to you for the last 40 years. I've been walking with you for 40 years. You are my God, and you have been with me in every single situation. The more of life that we spend with Christ here, when we go to him, what's it going to be like? I'm not going to look at him and say, oh, uh, I, I know you're Jesus, but who are you? How do you work? How do you behave? There's not going to be that process the life that we live here, the process will even grow richer knowing that I'm locked arms with a brother that I know. Comment from Spurgeon says, don't expect to die in Christ if you refuse to live in him. Uh, What is that comment saying? That comment is saying that if we just say, okay, Jesus, get me through, and then reject him, ignore him, you're not, in your mind, going to die with a brother. You might be saved, but with Jesus, almost even in a sense of be a, a stranger, in a sense that, oh, I don't even know how you work. I don't even know who you are. Thank you for saving me. What did I say that prayer, you know, when I was, what, six years old? Oh, good. I, I, you know, I made it through. I'm, that's not the way death is going to work. But the way it's going to work is that we're going to be embraced. And when we're going to be embraced, we have to ask the question, who are we going to be embraced with? Who? Who are we going to be embraced by? And do we know the person we're going to be embraced? Therefore, the challenge would be today... <laughs> get to know him. (laughs) Get to know him as a brother. Get to know him as a Lord. Um, An unbeliever dies alone, but a believer dies in the arms of a friend. And ask you a question, is he a friend today? Because one day we'll be faced with death. Proverbs 14, 32, the righteous has a refuge when he dies, and he will be my refuge as the process takes place. Remember, you don't want to be alone, so what takes place God makes lots of statements that you will not be. Romans 8.38 is one statement that we know, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Songs of Solomon. 
When we think about death, we think about something that is horrific. Um, as we think about something that is horrific, God wants to say, there's something better. Song of Solomon 8, 6, place my seal like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is what is stronger than death that will take place. There might be a fear in death, but I've got something that goes so far beyond. And what is that thing? It's going to be love is going to be there. Love takes up, it says jealousy, unyielding as a grave. It burns like a blazing fire. Love like a mighty flame. There's something more powerful than death. And what is that? It is specifically love. Love by the God that will receive you. Number five, angels don't cry when a believer dies. They sing. These are just basic things that we um, need to, um, that it's just good to understand and, and good to know. Again, I do lots of funerals. And as I do lots of funerals, what do I see? I see lots of uh, tears. Um, I see lots of crying. I see lots of hurt. Um, I see lots of pain. Um, I see lots of sorrow as I do funerals. But that's on this side. How do angels respond to death? How does God respond to death? Um, Spurgeon says, when someone dies, we see a coffin, we see a hearse, and we see a grave. We see sorrow, we see tears, we see spirits that are sad. But when someone dies, what does heaven see? They see a smile of angels, cherub faces. They see a, far, uh, a father embracing a son, and they see a daughter in the loving arms of Jesus Christ. So when we come to, hey, let's celebrate the life of this individual, and this is what I do when I walk into a, um, some, a family that has just lost somebody, and I'll be doing their funeral. I will walk into the, ho- the home, and I'll say, the first words are going to explain um, what our temperament's going to be in the entire service. So whatever I say is going to set the tone for the entire service. So what are we going to do? What am I going to say? If I say, okay, this is a somber day. This is a day that we do not want to look at. This is a day that we never wanted. This is a day that that's what I could say if a person was not a believer. But if a person is a believer, what can I say? We are going to celebrate the life of this individual, and we're going to celebrate our Savior today. And the reason why is because the angels are not crying with us. The angels are praising God, their, not their Savior, our Savior, for receiving the child that we, that we, that we lost. Psalm sixteen fifteen, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the godly ones. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the godly ones. Revelations 14, 13, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Blessed is what? Happy. <laughs> Happy are the dead who do what? Who die in the Lord. Maybe this, as we're talking about death, maybe we should start contemplating, am I going to die in the Lord? <laughs> or am I not going to die in the Lord? I can be happy, and there's a chance that I can be if I do what? Die in the Lord rather than away from the Lord. Number six, for a believer, death is bitter. Um, Death is better than your day of birth. Sorry. Um, of course, the Bible wants to speak into death. And uh, how does he want to speak into death? And God wants to say, don't worry if you know me. Everything's going to be all right. Ecclesiastes says, all right, let me just give you a verse to tell you how good it is. Because we all celebrate birthdays, and we're all excited about coming to this earth. And we celebrate it every year, the time that we come to this verse. So let me just give you a verse that says, just relax. 
a little bit, death, even though it's haunting. Just relax. Ecclesiastes 7.1, the day of one's death is what? Better than what? The day of one's birth. That's exactly what the, the statement is. If we know the Lord, it is going to be scary, and we're not going to deny that. But there is a statement that are promises to us that we celebrate when we went into this earth. But there is going to be even a greater celebration when we depart from this earth if we are what? If we are in the Lord. Thomas Watson said, death is one bitter cup of coffee with a whole bunch of sugar at the bottom. <laughs> so you just got to get through the bitter cup. I know, Gordon, you've never tasted a bitter cup of coffee, and it's been as black as could be. But if Gordon could taste that bitter cup of coffee, there is a lot of sugar, and you don't even put sugar in there. There's a lot of sugar in the bottom. So we don't want to go through it, but there's going to be a blessing that comes on the other side. And again, we'll talk even more about that next week. Number seven, um, this is just things to know um, and as we're bringing up topics. Um, God has given us grace in death. Um, there is a fear. The fear is natural. Uh, the fear is real. Um, but God has given every human being grace um, in death. And, uh, and I will tell you that when we talk about heaven and hell, these things might be brought up again. So as we talk about, okay, grace and death, what is these graces and death? Um, I will just tell you that this is my sick, twisted mind thinking, you know, okay, is there grace and death at all? And I'm just kind of exploring these things. We're not having verses necessarily. We're just trying to say, I'm going to passage from this life to the next. Is God going to soften it for me? And my answer would be, I think yes. How's he going to soften it? Letter A. If your mind sees death as possibility, your body goes into shock, so you don't feel anything. Is that grace? Your body automatically goes into shock. What does that mean? That means that if you are driving down the road and somebody pulls out in front of you, guess what your body does? It turns numb. It's called shock. Your body turns numb before you depart from this life. The only painful thing that takes place is if you don't die in that process. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's it's the only thing that takes place because what happens is your body automatically goes in shock. I'm not going to feel anything. It's going to be all right. But then all of a sudden, just say you miss him, then what happens? Your heart starts to beat out of your chest. It's like, oh. I it's harder to live. <laughs> um, it hurts more to live than it does to die. We'll just even put it that way. God has given us grace because he loves us. Says, you know what? I'll give you this body, and I'll allow it to even function in a sense that can ease some pain through the fear of even going through this process um, of death. Spurgeon kind of even talks about it. I've got lots of quotes because I love reading the Puritans on, on uh, um, death and dying because they're about the only ones that speak about it nowadays. But Spurgeon says, A drowning man feels no great pain. The sensations of a drowning are even said to be even a little bit pleasant. Nobody want to do this, you know, just let you know, but just as this person is drowning. It says to be pleasant. It is only when a man is being restored to life, when the blood begins to make the veins tingle because life leaps there, when once again the nerves are sensible, then we are told that the whole body is full of many agonies, but then there are the agonies of what? Death or of life? They're the agonies of living even on this side. So we can ask the question, am I going to be alive when I die? I sure want to be alive when I die because in the process of death, I can have the numb 
and still, if an accident takes place, we die in different ways, but if an accident takes place, I can still walk right from this life to the next, even painlessly because of the hardware that God has put into my body. Uh, letter B, again, I'm getting sick, but if your mind is doomed to burn, God has given you smoke to put you to sleep before it happens. Um, have we ever thought about that? Um, Burning is probably the most horrific thing that can possibly take place um, to a human, a human being. Um, and God knows that. Or does he know it? Well, he created in our hardware to say, um, don't worry, I have some medication before you go, uh, before your body burns. Uh, what it is, it'll put you right to sleep. It's called smoke. And if a house goes up and into flames, you won't be burned by the flames. You'll be put to sleep before it even takes place. Is that a God who loves us? Is that a God who has given us grace? Is that a God that says, I care for my people and death is coming to us all, but I will give you guys some antidotes as we go through it and the most horrific pain that you can possibly even imagine, I'll make sure, sure that there's an antidote that puts you to sleep even before this pain takes place. Um, I don't want to scare anybody and, and you guys need to come to this topic but we'll ask the question because we're exploring the topics. Is there smoke in hell? <laughs> um, so I'm just bringing these things up as we're, as we're thinking. I don't want to bring horrific people uncomfortable, but these are things that we're just, we're just bringing up, we're talking, and um, trying to understand what is taking, taking place. Um, I will bring that topic up when we go through hell just to let you guys know um, um, that piece. Number C, body goes numb after a certain amount of blows take place. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen somebody be beat up, um, but uh, um, the explanation that uh, is out there in the world, that as soon as you have two, three blows, your body doesn't feel any more blows. Uh, if, you just get, if you get hit twice, three times, uh, your body goes through a reaction that you don't feel anything that takes place, uh, that takes place, that takes place afterwards. Um, I'm not going to go into detailed stories, but um, we had uh, um, Africa, I'm very connected with Sierra Leone, Africa, and uh, there has been war um, that has taken place there. And uh, talking to one individual, it says, um, this was true, um, but I will tell you that living afterwards has been horrific. But even in the process of receiving what I received, it was just like I, I, I went to rest, and, um, and I couldn't even explain it. And he explained it as God, and he's right. But also God has put that in our hardware as well. Now put in your hardware that you're not going to take so many blows before it's gone. Go through that um, extreme amount of suffering. Um, letter D, blackout. When your mind starts to think of trauma to your body. Somebody was taking blood from me. And I'm like, I want to black out. Why? Because it was trauma. What was trauma? taking blood. <laughs> God's given us this one thing that when our mind starts even doing tricks, what happens? Our knees start to get weak <laughs> and say, you know what? I just need to go to sleep right now. And God said, okay, you can go to sleep right now. And it says, maybe, is that grace? Is that um, a gift? Did God put that in our hardware as he created us? Did God put this in our structure? Um, hmm, it's interesting that, they, that it is there. Uh, number E, there seems to be um, peace uh, when you're knowing you're going to die. Um, 
the only reason I put this one there is that um, my father passed away in 2015. And, um, and I've been close to people um, when they die, but um, I was very close to the process um, of, my, of my father's life and my father's death. Um, he had a stroke, uh, 19, or when he was 52 years old, he had a stroke. And uh, right side of his, um, um, his body was paralyzed, and then um, after, um, <laughs> yeah, after he had a stroke, right side was paralyzed, and then in 2001, his left side got paralyzed, so he's almost completely paralyzed um, before, before he passed before he passed away. But he had that horrific stroke and he lived for 26 years after it. That's a strong guy. Um, but uh, through that process of walking through those 26 years, there's something my dad always said, because he was always on the, the steps of death. Um, just even in a sense that after he had the stroke, they said he had a blood clot in his neck that is so large that if it moved, he would, he would end up dying and is too large for us to do surgery. So as we heard this, I was a freshman in high school, as we heard this, we left knowing that dad can drop any time. And 26 years later, he's like, I'm still going. And they look at him and says, did you know he had a stroke? 20? <laughs> we see signs there. It's like, oh yeah, we know that. But, you know. um, but he always was afraid of death. There was a fear. And he would say, he was very emotional, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. And it carried through that for 26 years. And he made this statement because he knew that he was at the brink um, of death, uh, could be um, any time. Um, I was with my father the last week, which was a complete miracle before he died, in a sense that he lives in Spokane, and he was getting um, uh, too frail to drive from um, Spokane to here, and my mom did not want to take him all this way, so he hadn't shown up here for about three years or four years. And, um, and so anyway, we um, had a car, not a long story, but a car drive up there, and we said, hey, we can drive you down and drive you back. So uh, we did that, and uh, so he showed up here, and the entire week, he's like, I'm in pain. Um, I hurt, and he never says that, um, that he hurts, and we knew something um, was going on. We knew something was taking place, but he wasn't talking about death whatsoever. He just says, something's wrong. I said, well, we should take you to the, the hospital. So while he was here during this week, we went down to, um, to the emergency room, and we thought, were in the parking lot, said, what we probably need to do is we probably need to go inside and, um, and see what's going on. But then we started to think, um, would it be worth going inside and it's nothing? Because I tell you, he had a lot of indigestion issues. In other words, you know, passing uh, stuff issues, and, and it's nothing, then send us home. Um, so we said, well, let's go to uh, urgent care instead. So we went to urgent care and say, do this person need to go? Does my dad need to go to the, the hospital? So we went to urgent care. We sit in the waiting room. It's like, why are we here when we should just put him in the hospital? So then we leave from urgent care. We did not look at urgent care. We leave from urgent care, went to the emergency room again and sat in the parking lot and said, all right, let's bring him in. No, let's not bring him in. And the reason why is because if we bring him in, he could be stuck here for weeks and he's not home. We will leave tomorrow early morning, and we'll get him home, get him to the hospital. So sure enough, we left early morning the next day, and we went to Spokane, and uh, we put him into the hospital, and I will say that he never got out of the hospital. Um, but I got to spend that entire week with him for 26 years. And my mother even always said it, he's always been afraid of death. But that whole time, there, it seemed like there was a, a peace, and he had never mentioned, but I think he knew it. I think he knew it, and he carried it all the way through that this is probably the end, but there was almost like an instant thing 
you know, maybe I'm guessing, but um, that was not mentioned even when he knew that things were going to happen. Um, I knew that he was very alert when he was not alert. He was in the hospital for two days, and I, I came home after I dropped him off in the hospital. My brother says he's not alert anymore. He need to come up. Sure enough, my brother and I, we traveled back there as fast as we could, and uh, he was not alert, but we continued to talk to him. And we talked to him for two days, and uh, one day we were talking to him. We said, um, all of the, your grandkids are coming up, and so is um, um, my wife and my brother's wife. We're all coming up from Albany um, to come and, and, and tell you that we love you because he was then put on, put on hospice. And um, so as we were talking to him through those, um, through those things, we told him as they were driving up, we said, you don't need to hang on. Feel free to go if you need to go. But we just want you to know they are coming up. Um, as they drove up, um, they walked in the door. And after they walked in the door, the nurses have already prepped us to say that when his breathing changes, that is when he's going to die. Um, they walked in the door, and they had two minutes to tell Dad that we, and Grandpa that we loved him. And all of a sudden, his breathing changed. And, and as soon as he did, we said, okay, let's all say goodbye. And we were all there, and, and, we, said, and we said goodbye um, goodbye to him. There was, uh, um, they can hear, um, they know when they don't know, and there's a peace. Um, through that situation, there's a peace that I've never seen in my father. There's a peace that I've never seen in my dad through that situation. Um, I believe that God um, knows that death is difficult, and I believe that he carries a peace um, that we can't fathom, we can't even imagine, but yet a peace that is a peace that is there. Number F, most sensitive nerve endings are not on the surface of the, are on the surface of the body. Just kind of give you another little graphic thing. It takes place that what is worse, first degree burn or third degree burn? Um, third degree burn is worse on the body, but a first degree burn hurts worse because you go past you go past the nerve you go past the nerve um, the nerve endings. Um, my father-in-law was um, shot in Vietnam. Sorry, he's here today. <laughs> Sorry to tell you a story. I didn't even ask permission to tell you a story. But uh, he was shot through the chin, and then it, went, it exited, in, it went to the shoulder, and then exited out, out um, his back in Vietnam. And, and um, if you talk to him um, about the story, um, yes, it's a traumatic story, but if you talk to him about pain, he goes, there really wasn't any pain. He goes, I remember what, I took a drink of water, and it just ran down my shirt because I didn't, I didn't have a jaw. Um, is what he was explaining, but he was, you know, almost even confused. It's like, it didn't seem like there was that much pain that even took place um, as, um, as, as that happened. In fact, uh, um, he exited with a helicopter, and in the helicopter, they had a whole bunch of wounded that they put in the helicopter, and the, the helicopter was full, and, um, and my father-in-law says, there's no room for me to come in, and he says, well, the only room to come in if you stand and he says, oh, I'm good. <laughs> he lost his jaw, bullet through the, it's all right, I'll do it, I'll stand. So what he does, he stands in the helicopter and then was exited through there. But somebody that has gone through that piece of trauma, um, to hear the words, it just didn't feel like there's a lot of pain um, for some, what was taking place. The most sensitive nerve endings are on the, the front of our body rather than the inside of our body. So as things pass through us, um, there is grace. There is grace that, that takes, place, takes place there. All right, we'll get away from the grace. That's my sick mind to really say, I think that God loves us and walks with us through this process. Sorry, I'm just saying it the way it is, so we'll keep on moving on. Eight, to those in Christ, death has no poison, there's only honey. 
Did I skip seven? Oh, there's two sevens. Sorry, there's a, there's a typo. Yes, there's two sevens that, that take place. Um, Revelations 14, 13. Blessed, happy are those who die in the Lord. And uh, Proverbs 14, 32. The righteous has a refuge um, when we die. Uh, it is not going to be easy, fun, uh, great experience. But again, there's a lot of sugar that's on the bottom. It's not poison um, if you are a believer. Number nine, for a believer, death is as harmless as a stingless bee. <laughs> God says, okay, death is an issue. It's an issue for all my people because all of them are going to die. Let me give you guys some verses that will just explain the process if you guys would listen and believe in it. 1 Corinthians 15, death is swallowed up in victory because of the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, what? Where is your sting? And oh, grave, where is your victory? All of us fear death. Um, give me one book <laughs> that tells you that it's going to be okay. One book that says this is going to be okay, there's not going to be a sting, the Bible's the only one. Number 10, your body is nothing but a prison to your soul. Just things to know. Prison to your soul, and the earth is shackles that, that are in your body. Your shackles to your body. Um, your body is nothing but a prison to your soul, and the earth is shackles to your body. What that means is that you are alive right now, and you will be even more alive when you're with Christ. You'll be even more alive when you're with Christ. In fact, I know that my body slows me down. All I have to do is go on a jog, and I figure it out that I'm not 20 years old anymore. All I need to do is exercise, and I figure out that I don't heal anymore. Um, I can see the shackles getting heavier as time goes on. But should that discourage me? <laughs> should that bind me? Should it be something that, like, this is horrific, it's horrible, it's horrible? Um, well, one thing about it is I praise God that this is not my home. I praise God that this is not my body. I praise God that someday I'll get a new body and be home with my Lord. Thomas Watson again from from. First, the infancy dies, then the childhood, then youth, then old age, and then finally at death, we make an end to all dying. Number 11, when death comes to an unbeliever, it takes away his soul. When it comes to a believer, it takes away what? Your sin. The last thing that I'm going to conquer is death, meaning that your hell on earth, your hell is over if you're a believer. Or your hell starts if you're not. Death for a believer does what? Washes away your sin where there's no more evil, there's no more pain, there's no more hurt, there's no more all the consequences and everything that sin comes with. There's no more. It will be the last. So therefore, what's the topic? Matthew 7, 22 should be our only thing that is in our mind. Matthew will say to me, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Those should be the words that are always ringing in our minds as we think, do I know my Savior or am I going to be alone when it happens? 
Isaiah 57 to those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they, as they lie in death. So we'll open up for um, a couple questions. Um, I will tell you that some logistical questions, this is kind of like an overview. Um, I might say in some of the logistical questions is that we're going to cover that. <laughs> and when it comes like a lot of questions on intermediate states, a lot of questions on, you know, on those things, I'm going to try to cover every aspect um, of death. And, um, and I can only touch the surface of heaven and hell, but uh, we'll try to carry those things. Ken, here we'll get a microphone on its way. Uh, seven years ago, I passed away, and uh, so I got to experience what you're talking about. And um, I don't know how to, how to describe the peace, <clears throat> the comfort, the warmth. I didn't want to come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's just amazing that, and I mentioned this in my sermon as well, but what's close to our heart is scattered, is just scattered through Scripture. <laughs> so in other words, the topic is just huge in Scripture. And why? Because it's close to our heart. And since it's close to our heart, it's close to God's heart. Absolutely. Any other comments, questions? Oh, come on. Is it the topic? Is it the, Dan, you, you'll go with the topic, the subject. You'll talk about it. <laughs> I was shot in Korea. I never felt no pain, not for probably an hour. I also was hurt once working on a, on a power line. And uh, the one thing I do remember that I saw, and I knew I was dying, anyway, I got loose, but anyway, I, what I did see was my my life fast forward, hmm. like a like a video camera going full speed, from the time I was a child, and it went forward clear up until about that moment, and then I was able to kick myself free. But there was no pain after I was on the ground either at that time. You don't you're in shock. You don't feel nothing. Doesn't hurt. Just peace. Yeah. Just hurts to live. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, you know, it does. It just, it hurts to live. And I just have to make this, you know, this statement is that, um, and I don't know why I have to make this statement, but I, 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 I do, is that we should not be going, oh, I can't wait till I die. Maybe I should leave this earth. That is not the statement. It is built into our hardware. We will remain here. We should stay here. We have a work, and we are here for that work. And anybody contemplating, I just want rest, um, good luck finding it. Um, <laughs> if, if, you, if you take it, it's, it's going to be hard. So... Years ago, I was uh, in a really bad accident, and to shorten it, uh, a semi hit my little Chevy Love pickup, and it swung around and hit me. Just before it hit me, I said, oh, Lord, here I come. <laughs> but I didn't feel any pain, just like you said, when you, uh, you see death approaching. 
I didn't feel any pain. In fact, my cousin and I had been helping him move. He was up ahead of me, and he said his daughter saw me when I got hit, that I was like a rag doll flying <laughs> through the air, uh, slid across the ice over on the other side, almost went over the bridge. I, you know, I, it was like I was watching it from outside, you know, and everything. I didn't feel any pain until I walked over, well, kind of hobbled over to the, this other area, and I tried to, uh, I saw my arm in a really weird position, and so I started pulling on it. That's when I first <laughs> felt pain. Got an itch. Well, <laughs> no, put it back I, I together. Thought, this, this doesn't look right. And then I, uh, I was trying to take my coat off because this one lady, she had lost her uh, leg. And I said, you're, you're cold. You, you need, a, you know, it was in the wintertime. And mm -hmm. I said, you need my coat. It was, I wasn't thinking. I was in shock, like you say. Yeah. And, and, but when I was trying to pull my coat off, I, arm is really weird you know yeah. and so I was trying to yank on it and that's when I first yeah. felt pain <laughs> praise God for everything yeah. and uh through the valley of, yeah Gordon do you have something you make a comment about the coffee <laughs> are you gonna say nobody should put sugar in their coffee you don't give Gordon the microphone that's exactly what he's gonna say nobody should put sugar in their coffee death is coffee <laughs> Yeah. It's the only way to drink it. So I think that we, even though we say that, like, the Lord is in control, we all um, have control. I mean, like, I'm fully aware that every breath, every beat of my heart is because of the Lord. But still, we have a sense that we are in control. I'm in control. I get in my car. I buckle the seatbelt. I, I drive. I'm safe. All that kind of stuff. Well, so um, it's been almost 10 years. I was hospitalized with an infection and I was dying, and I spent a week in intensive care. And um, I was scared, mm -hmm. even though I have full assurance, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt where I'm going, but I was scared and delirious, and I think a lot of it comes from um, I had no control, no control. And um, just being totally honest, that was my experience. Yeah. It was very scary. Absolutely. Yeah, to be tubes and here at the, the nurses are doing things and I'm hoping the nurse is going to do the right thing and not make a mistake and there was a nurse being trained and are they giving me the right dose and I couldn't say or do anything but it was it was very scary and I you said Jesus was with me I know he was but I didn't have that awareness and so that's on me I guess yeah I would say that that is not on you um, I would go to point one um, that says death is not natural. It is not something, and I want to sit heavy on point one, it is not something that is like, okay, there's an unknown that's taking place. I have lost control. I have this fear. Is that fear um, not legitimate, or is that fear sin? I'd say it's not. And the reason why is because death is not natural, and we all know it. So when we are faced with it, I'm going to say not from an accident, because there's two different things that take place. When we're faced with it in an accident, everything's going to go numb. There could be something that takes place. When you're laying in the hospital bed, and it's like, I do not have control. Are you wrong to have fear? Or you have a God that says, don't worry, I understand where you are at. I understand 
your pain. Um, but with that, um, um, God understands that you're going to carry that in the hospital. And what he wants to do consistently is saying, okay, I'm going to give you answers to get through it, um, to fear those answers or to doubt those answers. I would say is not horrific because sin is so unnatural, but he also wants to give us those answers to say, okay, hold on a second. This is not good. I feel out of control. God, I don't feel you right now. I need help. God, I need strength. I want to be liberated. I'm not. Those are prayers that we can say, and we can say them in fear, and we can say them in anger because David said his prayers in fear, and he said his prayers in anger all the way through the book of of Psalms. Because it is something that we're going to face that is not going to be easy, but there is also a God that says, since it's not, let me make sure I give you information um, through that process. So I agree. Thank you for mentioning that because it is not natural. It is not a good feeling. Um, But there is a God who has spoken on the subject. Um, uh, When I think, uh, when you're talking about death, um, in my mind goes to the death of Christ on the cross and him bearing the sins as he was dying. So his death was totally unique than what I am going to experience because not only did he have the pain, but he also had the pain of all the sins, past, present, and future of me and everyone in the world on him. Am I right in thinking that, that his death was different than the kind of death? Yes, it was the same, but yes, it was so different too. You are absolutely correct. The anguish of the cross is not the anguish of the, the nails. It's the anguish of my sin being placed on him in pain, the penalty, and the anguish of the cry, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, there was a relationship, a brother to brother, a father son, a, you know, everything that was taking place with him and God. And there was a forsaking that took place. And that is when he cried, not when they put the nails into his hands. His death is completely different than ours because he's the only one that did not deserve to die. And yet did. And we're going to get through that when we talk about what's your body going to be like. We're going to hit resurrection. (laughs) Because there is some good news in the Bible when it comes on the topic of this subject. Um, Yeah, Ken, last one. Yeah, my grandmother used to tell the story that she was taking care of her mother in her last days and stuff, and she had lapsed into a coma. And my grandmother, of course, you know, whenever somebody's sick or ill, we always think about what we want, maybe not necessarily what God wants and and all of that. And we we pray for them to get well and, and to come back and all of that. And she said that her mom come out of the coma and her mom told her, she said, why did I have to come back? I was so at peace and, and felt so good where I was at. Why did I have to come back? And my grandmother said she felt about two inches high because she couldn't let her go that she prayed for her to come back. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of times I'll pray, you know, God, if it's your will that you're going to take him, take him quickly, spare the family. If it's not your will, then get him well quick. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, our time is up. Come back next week. Tough subject, but we'll get through it.